Uh, for those of you who don't know me yet, uh, my name is Michael Risk, and I've been preaching here at Cornerstone along with others while our minister, Campbell Markham, has been away. Um, currently, currently, we are doing an eight-week sermon series on the book of Colossians. And today we're looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Uh, please do have your Bibles open as we work through our passage together. Uh, but before we do that, first, let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, as we come to your word, Lord, as uh, we open up uh, the word together, we pray that you would open up our ears and our hearts. Our Father, we pray that you would remove any distractions that we may have. Help us, Lord, to grow and mature through your word. Uh, we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be here, that he would be teaching us and growing us. Our Father, we pray that through your word, you would change and transform lives here today. Our Father, I pray, be with me now as I preach from your word. Anoint me for this task. Help me now to speak clearly. Help me now to speak powerfully. And we just pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, there are two photos that I quite like, which Campbell took over a year ago. Uh, the first one is of Fletcher, Samuel, Caleb, and Jacob. Uh, could I get that photo up on the projector? David, can you do that? Yep. Bear with us. Technical difficulties. And there we are, that photo there. And now what I love most about this is that straight afterwards, their dads took this photo. Can I get the next photo up? And there we are. Uh, Campbell posted these two photos on Facebook, and he posted them side by side. And he said, Our dear sons, this is your future. <laughs> dear sons, this is your future. Um, I can't help thinking, though, of an alternate caption of, uh, Just for a moment, let's be 16 again. Just for a moment... Let's be 16 again. Uh, can we get rid of... We got rid of that photo. Good. Um, <laughs> just for a moment, let's pretend to be 16 again. Uh, can you imagine going back in time and reliving your teenage years? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go back to my teenage years, to those awkward moments when my voice was going through changes, when my body started changing. Uh, when hair started growing in places, it previously didn't. Uh, I didn't always have this completed beard that you see before you. And <laughs> uh, when I was 14, there was just awkward long sideburns, some hair under my chin, and a poor excuse for a mustache. Uh, I can imagine for most of the adults here, they wouldn't want to go through puberty a second time. Uh, once was enough. And for those that are teenagers here, I think the same would go for you. You wouldn't want to go back to primary school, wouldn't you? Having to relearn your timetables, having to be tested on your spelling. Or become younger still and go back in time when you couldn't kick a ball, or run really fast, or read a book. I can't imagine there would be any one of us that would like to be 16, 8 years old, 4 years old again. At once was enough. 
So if we wouldn't want to go back in time to relive our younger years, why do we then desire this in regards to our former lives, our sinful lives which have died with Christ, which died with Christ on the cross? If we wouldn't want to go back in time and relive our, for, our younger years, why do we then desire this in regards to our former lives, our sinful lives which died with Christ on the cross? Our friends, Paul has written to the church and he is reminding them of the gospel message. He's reminding them of the complete work of Christ and what Christ has done for us. He's reminded the church that they have died with Christ, that they have been reborn in Christ, they have been given new life in Christ, and he is telling them now to live for Christ. Uh, today our passage is answering the question, how do we live for Christ? How do we live for Christ? And our passage answers this in the following three points. Uh, point number one. We are to fix our eyes on Christ. We are to fix our eyes on Christ. Point number two, we are to put to death the old self. We are to put to death the old self. And point number three, we are to let Christ direct our life. We are to let Christ direct our life. Uh, let's work through the first of our three points together now. Uh, point number one, we are to fix our eyes on Christ. Let's read verses one and two. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. I set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Uh, what is Paul saying here? Uh, Paul is reminding us that we have been given new life in Christ. Uh, early in the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, Paul told us that our former lives have been buried with Christ. And just not buried with Christ, but that he has given us new lives. He has raised us. We have been given new life in Christ. Uh, Paul is saying here, because of that, seek that which is above. Seek that which is above. No longer seeking the things of this world, but seeking Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ rather than on the things that are below, the things of this world. In Christ, our old selves have died, and in Him we have been given new life. Therefore, don't go back to what you did previously, living for the created things of this world. Our verse 2 emphasizes this and says, Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. We are to be setting our minds on Christ rather than on the created things of this world. Uh, why should we seek after Christ? Because we find complete fulfillment in Him. Paul has told us previously not to seek earthly things. Don't seek man-made religion for fulfillment or man-made solutions for overcoming sin. They won't work. They haven't got the power or the means to help you. Paul has been telling us to come to Christ 
In Christ, we find fulfillment. In Christ, we're able to conquer sin. Why should we fix our eyes on Christ? Well, have a look at verses 3 and 4 with me. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Uh, the word hidden here in these verses is referring to closeness or proximity, uh, that we are united to Christ. We have been saved by Christ. We have been reconciled to Christ and are joined to Him. Our lives are dependent on Christ. Uh, just like our bodies are dependent on our head, so too are we dependent on Christ. We have been joined to Him. We are hidden in Him. And then when Christ comes back, when He appears, when the resurrection will happen, when sin and death have been done away with, we who have remained rooted in the faith, who have not wavered from Christ, we who have been united to Christ through His death and His resurrection, our Christ will also raise us on the last day and we will appear with Him in glory. Friends, this is the hope that we hold on to. The promises that Christ has made that have been secured in Him, that have been secured in His death and resurrection. Uh, this is why we fix our eyes on Christ, because we have been united to Him. When Christ returns, the promises that have been made in Him, they will be fulfilled. We look forward to the resurrection, when one day we will dwell with God in the new heavens and the new earth. So let me ask you at this point, are you doing this? Are you fixing your eyes on Christ? Are you living for Him? Or are you living life pretending to be 16 again? Are you living life still seeking the things of this world, the created things rather than Christ? Have you fallen into the trap of no longer seeking Jesus in your life? Uh, let me ask you, where is your time? Where is your money? Uh, where is your energy? Where are your desires going? Are they going into the created things of this world? Or are they going to Christ? Are they going into the building up of His kingdom? Friends, if you have fallen into the trap and you are no longer seeking Jesus in your life, Repent. Stop living for the created things of this world. Turn around and turn back to Jesus. Start living for Jesus again. How do we live for Christ? Well, first we have to fix our eyes on Him. And then second, we have to put to death the old self. Point number two. We have to put to death the old self. Our friends, there are certain practices and behaviors that if we continued them, they would lead us away from Christ. That if we continue doing them, we are no longer living a life reflected of what Christ has done for us. That in Him we have been given life. 
Uh, this is why Paul exhorts us. He tells us in verses 8 and verse 5 to put to death, to remove these former ways. Have a look at verse 5 with me. Uh, verse 5. I put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Uh, Paul is saying here that if you have died with Christ, uh, the earthly things of this world, those previous passions, those former religions, all that former lifestyle, it's gone. They have been done away with in Christ. They no longer have any power or control over you. You know better. You know that they won't give you any fulfillment. So put them to death. Uh, the Apostle Paul gives a list of things that at one time or another uh, we had sought after. Whether that is sexual sin, uncleanness, and seeking the things that aren't God. Various passions and desires which dictated us and drove us. Uh, when our ways were wicked and we looked after our own needs first rather than others. What does Paul say about these things? Well, he says that they are idols. They are idolatry. And we were once seeking after them. Seeking the things of this world. The created things that were not God. But now we know better. In light of what Christ has done for us, we know the truth. The mystery that was hidden has now been revealed. We know that complete fulfillment is found. It is found in Christ. We know that to overcome sin, to overcome guilt, can only be done through Christ and His work. Paul says, therefore, put to death all forms of idolatry. They no longer have any control over you. Uh, verse 6 then tells us that all idolatry, all false religion, all sin is going to be judged by God. Uh, what will happen to those that are continuing on in their sin, that are continuing on in their idolatry, that have said no to God and yes to sin? Well, the Bible is very clear. They are under God's punishment. Uh, in the book of Revelation, in chapters 1 to 3, Jesus speaks to the church. And he tells the church not to fall into sin. He tells them to repent of their wickedness, to return to Jesus, to return to their first love. He tells the church of Smyrna to remain faithful. And by remaining faithful, they will not experience God's ultimate judgment, which is the second death. Uh, what is the second death? Well, as mentioned in previous weeks, the second death is hell. Those that are living in their idolatry, living for sin and not for God, well, they are heading down a road to hell. And we were once on this road also. Uh, verse 7 tells us that we were once under God's wrath. Before the gospel came to us, uh, before we understood the gospel, 
understood that Christ came to save a sinful and rebellious world through his death. Through his death, Christ paid our debt. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. For our sin, we were meant to die. We were meant to experience punishment. But what did Christ do? Well, he took our debt. He took our death. And he died our death on a cross. We were under God's judgment. But in Christ, we are no longer under God's wrath. Because in Christ, through his death and resurrection, we have been reconciled back to God. Our former ways have died. And we have been given new life in him. Jesus, after three days, rose from the death, rose from the dead. We too will rise again also in Christ. And this is why we are to put death to death idolatry in our life. We are to put to death this former self because it takes us away from God. Uh, if you are here today, and if you are living for the created things of this world and not for God, if you have said no to God and yes to sin, uh, can I encourage you to repent? to turn away from the path that is leading to death, to turn around and to head back to Christ. Head back to Jesus, where there is life. If we are seeking the things of this world, we are no longer seeking after God. Verse 8 tells us this also, that if we don't put away certain behaviors, it will lead us away from God. Look at verse 8 with me. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I hear in verse 8 the church is being told to remove these former behaviors, remove these former vices, because by holding on to them, they are preventing them from holding firm to Christ. Are these former behaviors cause division within the church? I remember what remember the church in Colossae? Uh, in Colossae, the church is being undermined by those around them. False teachers who are saying that you need to worship God this way or that way. And it's considered that these false teachers have perhaps created hostility, created division within the church. And Paul is saying here. Don't let your previous ways of life, these former behaviors, dictate how you should respond now to one another. Don't cause division through these former behaviors. Paul is saying you can't be holding firm to Christ, declaring that Christ is Lord, if you are still being angry with one another, if you are causing division with one another. Paul says, rid yourselves of these things. Stop causing division. Paul says then in verse 9 and 10, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being, create, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. Paul is emphasizing in verse 9, don't cause further division. Don't lie to one another. Why? Because you, the church, have been reconciled to Christ. 
You have been given new life in Him. So don't live for these former ways. Verse 10 says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. A Christ is the one who is going to mature us. He is going to renew us. He is going to grow us. How will Christ do this? Well, he sent us the Holy Spirit. Back in chapter 1, verse 9, we were told that God is filling us with the knowledge of his will. All wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Christ has also worked powerfully through the writers of both the Old and the New Testament. It is in God's Word that we are given wisdom. It's in God's Word that we are told about Christ. And all the work that Christ has done for us. And that He is continuing to do in us. Christ will work powerfully in our lives changing and transforming us, making us more and more like himself. However, he calls each of us to partake in this work. We are to put to death the old self. What Christ has put on to death on the cross, we are to do that also. Our sin, the powers that controlled us, those former behaviors, are each and every day we are called to partake in this work, to put to death sin, to remove the old self, to rid ourselves of these former behaviors. Our verse 11 tells us there is no distinction. A Christ will do this work in all of us, in all his saints, all who have been reconciled and united to Christ, those that are hidden in him, those that are part of his body, the church. He is going to clothe us. He will put on the new self and we are to partake in this work also. So the question must be asked again. Are you doing this? Are you putting off the old self? Are you putting to death idolatry, those things that take us away from Christ? Are you ridding yourselves of these formed behaviors that cause division, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language? Are you then putting on the new self? Are you being matured and grown by Christ? Are to live for Christ, we are to fix our eyes on Christ. We are to put to death the old self. We are then to put on the new self. How do we put on the new self? Well, this is answered for us in our third and final point. Point number three. Let Christ direct your life. In verses 12 and 15, Paul tells us that we have been called. We have been called to live a life as God's chosen people. Called to live for Him and to let Christ direct our lives. Have a look at verses 12 and 14 with me. 12 to 14. And therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul is saying here that you have been chosen. 
You have been called to live for Christ, to clothe yourselves, to put on these new virtues, to put on these new behaviors that have been attained through the new life given to us in Christ. Are the list of virtues that are mentioned here in these verses stand in direct contrast to the vices mentioned in verse 8? Our verse 8 talks about behaviors that will damage the church, that will divide the church. But in these verses, they are behaviors that will strengthen the church. I want to draw on two that is mentioned here, mentioned by the Apostle Paul. And that is forgiving one another and loving one another. Our first forgiving one another. I think it's one of the hardest things is to forgive. Especially someone that has hurt you. Someone that has wronged you. However, the Christian is called to forgive. Why? Because we have been forgiven much in Christ. We have been forgiven much in Christ. Are the countless sins that we have committed against Christ are the size of a log compared with the speck of sawdust that someone has committed against us. We owed such a huge debt to Christ. And yet in His mercy, He forgave us. Can't we also forgive the one whom Christ has forgiven? The one whom Christ has died for? We have been forgiven much in Christ. We too should also be quick to forgive, first knowing how much Christ has forgiven us. And those that have been forgiven much will love much. We have been forgiven so much in Christ. And Scripture tells us that when we know how much Christ has forgiven us, that we would love Christ, that we would love. Uh, What is one of the ways that we can love Christ? Well, that is to love His body, to love the church, to love those whom Christ loves, to those whom Christ died for. Uh, If we love others, if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, are these positive behaviors, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, They will come naturally if we are loving Christ and His church. Our verse 15 then says, And the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We are to let Christ rule our lives, to shape our lives. Christ has called us into one body, He has called us to partake in the promises and the hope that we look forward to. Our verse 16 then says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Uh, We are told here that we need to be coming to God's Word. We need it to grow us. We need it to mature us. But we also need each other. 
We need the church. If we are going to grow in maturity, if we are going to be putting off our former selves, putting to death our former lives, if we are going to have Christ ruling in our lives, putting on that new self, we will need the help of the church. We will need each other to be helping us to grow in maturity. Our passage says that we need to teach one another. We need to warn one another. We need to sing to one another with hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. I thought it's also through the worship of God and singing with one another that the Christian will grow in maturity. Uh, Through songs, especially the Psalms, we will remember what God has done for us, what He has done for His people. And then our passage then ends with verse 17, which reminds us that in whatever we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That in whatever we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are united to Him. We live for Him. We are to always be giving thanks for what He has done for us. For in Him, we have found fulfillment. In Him, we have been saved. In Him, we have been given life. How shall we then leave today, having been reminded what Christ has done for us? How do we need to live for Christ? What are some of the things we can be doing? Well, let me ask you. Are there any idols in your life that need to be put to death? Are any of you delving into sexual sin? Are any of us here seeking the created things of this world? Are any of you saying no to God and yes to sin? Our passage has been very clear. We are to put to death these things. We are to repent and to turn back to God. What else does our passage tell us to do? Well, our passage tells us also to forgive. Is there anyone in the church that has wronged you and you are still holding grudges? Friends, we have been forgiven so much in Christ. We are called to forgive, not to be angry, not to cause division, but we are told to love. While we were still His enemies, Christ loved us. He forgave us. Can't we too love and forgive those whom Christ has? Love. Love the church. Love those around us. Pray for those around us. Be looking out for one another. Teaching one another. Warning one another. Singing to one another. And worshipping together. Uh, We wouldn't want to repeat our adolescent years. Our teenage years. So why would we ever go back to our former sinful lives? Who have died with Christ. Uh, We have been given new life in Christ. So live for Him. Live for Christ. Live for Him by fixing your eyes on Christ. Live for Christ by putting to death the old self. And live for Christ by letting Him direct our lives. 
And on that note, let's spend some time in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder that we have been given new life in Christ. I help us now, Father, to have our eyes fixed on Christ, that we would live for Him rather than seeking to live for those former ways which have died with Christ. Our Father, we pray that you would be equipping your church to put to death, to rid ourselves, to take off these former lives. Lord, let's equip us uh, through your Holy Spirit working in our lives. Equip us through the reading of your word and also through the encouragement of others here at church as we teach one another, as we warn one another, as we sing together. Our Father, we pray, be with your church, strengthen your church, renew and shape your church to be more and more like Christ. For it's in his name and for his sake we pray. Amen.